Welcome to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. Stay tuned for this week's message. Hey, good morning, church. Why don't we just pray before we sit down. Father, I thank you this morning that we serve an amazing God, a God of the impossible, a God who is faithful to his people. Father, I pray that it is not my word, but your word spoken this morning. God, I thank you for open hearts. I thank you for lives that are ready to hold a deposit from heaven this morning. Father, I ask that you would come and have your place and have your way this morning. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. You may be seated, guys. Lozzy team, thank you. That was awesome. Awesome, awesome. Good morning. Good morning, guys. Well, I'm going to get straight into it this morning. If you have your Bibles with you, turn with me to Psalm 37.4. A lot of you probably know it. And it says this, it says, delight yourself also in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust also in him and he shall bring it, that is your way to pass. He will bring it into reality. And I want to talk a little bit this morning about really delighting yourself in God. You know, because I think that word delight is thrown around a lot in Christian circles these days. You know, I delight in him. He's my delight. It's so delightful to be in the house. But I really wonder how many Christians understand what that means and who can really say that they draw a true delight from their relationship with God. Because I think the reality is that there are thousands of people sitting in thousands of churches like you and I this morning that maybe have allowed a flame to die down inside of them or they've allowed these coals to grow cold because they've settled for knowing about God, but they've forgotten a season in which they actually drew delight from Him. And so what I want to say to you this morning is that God's heart and God's desire for His people is that we wouldn't just be content with knowing about Him, that we wouldn't just be content with once having, you know, experienced a touch from Him, but instead that we would take Him and that we would put Him at the center of everything that we love and everything that holds our affection, amen? And so, you know, that's great, that's all good, but how do we do that? How do we really, really, really delight ourselves in God, and how do we take that relationship with God to the next level, I guess, if you will, because, you know, that was something that I asked God as I sat down to prepare this message, was that, you know, the truth is, I've read that scripture many times, as a lot of you have over the years, hundreds and hundreds of times, and, you know, it's a great scripture, and it kind of makes you feel, you know, warm and fuzzy, but the reality is, for me, I've never had that kind of rubber-hits-the-road conversation with God or been hungry enough, if I'm honest, for God's presence in my life to say, Father, you know what? I desire you. I really desire you above everything else in my life. And because I do, I'm asking you to show me how to teach me, help me, show me what it is to know you intimately and walk in intimate relationship with you. And so as God so often does, which is sometimes a bit annoying, but he does it, is when we come come to him bearing questions, he kind of answers with another question. And I remember him saying to me, well, Justin, how do you take delight in your children? How do you grow your desire for your children? And it was kind of weird because I felt myself almost instantly respond in my heart. And I said to him, God, you know what? I delight in my kids by simply spending time with them, by simply being present in their world. Because the thing is this, that when you make yourself available to the object or the people or the things that hold your affection, what begins to happen is you start to 
un- uncover and discover hidden things. You start to uncover moments that begin to captivate you and delight you. But the deal is that discovery doesn't happen until you and I are prepared to take the time to discover. Yeah? And what I want you to understand this morning is that God is not this, I guess, one-dimensional God. You know, he's not, a, he's not the spiritual stick figure on a page that you kind of have to flick the pages through your fingers really quickly to get him to move and interact and respond with you. You know, God is an infinitely multi-layered God. The Bible says, you know, who is man that he should fathom the very depths of your being? But the crazy thing is this morning, church, that's exactly what God desires, that we would find him in, that, in the depths of who he is. You know, that we would kind of hang around a little bit longer to start actually seeing past that one dimension. That we would start on this journey with him to begin to lay hold of some of those, those treasures and that gold that's found in him. And, and what that does is it begins to bring this, this richness and this depth to our relationship with him, yeah? And, you know, I guess it's kind of like, you know, we can stand on top of this mountain. And underneath us, way down, lies this gold and the silver, um, but the thing is that, you know, on, on the surface, it's dry, and it's hot, and it's dusty, and all we can see for miles around us is dirt, and we can stand in that place and be so frustrated because we know that deep underneath us is all this treasure, but what I want to tell you this morning is that unless you and I are actively prepared to step out of that place of doing nothing, of being inactive, unless you and I are prepared to step away from just passively waiting for something to happen and to actually start digging and get a little dirty and utilize some spiritual elbow grease, we're never going to lay hold of that gold and that treasure that lies beneath us. We're never going to lay hold of that gold or treasure that God has within himself because he wants us to push in. He wants us to come to him and find him past the crowds. You know, and it's kind of like you've got to understand the earth doesn't just release to us its minerals, doesn't just release to us its precious silver and its gold. You know, miners don't just walk up to their mine and stand on top of their mines and kind of close their eyes and hope and pray and scream and cry for the gold, for the gold and silver just to be brought to their feet. But they understand they actually have to press in. They've got to dig in. They've got to actually make up in their mind the decision that they're going to move mountains of dirt before they even get to lay hold of that gold and that silver. So they kind of understand the concept of sowing in the effort to drawing out reward. Amen. And so what I want to say this morning is that for you and I really to take that relationship to another level with God, for you and I really to delight in Him, it's going to take not only a season of our time, but a season where we're actually prepared to do the digging. Yeah, where we're prepared to say within ourselves, you know what, despite the circumstances, despite my condition, maybe on the outside, I'm going to continue to lean in. I'm going to continue to press in until God begins to reveal to me those treasures of his character. Amen. You know, and so I guess what I want to talk about a little bit is, is, is marriage because, you know, God, I think, understands hopefully the concept of marriage. But, you know, like marriage, eventually we find that that honeymoon, that honeymoon phase has to end. Yet we find that when we first give our hearts to God and, you know, we're journeying with God, it's kind of like that honeymoon phase because we're babies in the faith, but our, I guess our emotions are aroused and our, our attentions are high and our focus is for that other person. And it's kind of like in that phase, you know, time slows down a little bit, uh, you know, and our eyes and our ears and our heart are open to the other person. We're really receptive. And because that relationship is so open and so new, I guess it's really easy to uncover and discover and connect with that person. But the reality is that if we are to grow up 
and develop and move forward in our faith, there comes a point where we actually have to step past the honeymoon phase and lay hold of a life that God's laid for us past that. And so as we decide to do that and we kind of go, all right, you know what, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start walking and I'm going to start journeying and I want to grow and I want to mature, you will sooner or later find that all of a sudden just stuff starts to take a little bit longer. Things start to take a little bit more time and now all of a sudden we need to purposefully and proactively keep relationships strong. Because the deal is that down the line, you know, when years have come and gone, we will find that all of a sudden all these other things start coming into our field of view. All these other things start coming into our world as we journey that compete for our time and they compete for our attention and they compete for our affection. You know, it's our kids, it's family life, it's work life. It's church life. And so then down the line, what once came so easily where we could just run and sit at the feet of God now takes considerable effort and planning where once we would just sit down at the drop of the hat and say, God, i got all the time in the world for you. Come. Now it's kind of like we've got to take all those distractions and kind of push them behind the door and kind of like lock the door before we can begin to even think about sitting down and just spending time with him. Amen. And I guess... Um, for me, when I look around, I think one of the biggest obstacles, if you will, that we have as a church and as uh, sons and daughters of God in, in this day and age is this phenomenon of lack of time or this busyness syndrome. You know, who knows how many agendas are so full that we just can't squeeze God in there. Or at the very best, we kind of give him the dregs, you know. We give him the five minutes at the end of the day when we're so tired and be honest, who's done this? And you open the Bible and you get like two sentences in and your head like hits the Bible. They're kind of like dribbling into the pages, you know. And all those things that are so real and all those things that sit in front of us and demand our time and attention, um, they're always in front of us. But a God who we don't necessarily see but must believe in by faith kind of gets the back seat. And we forget, you know, his agenda is always open. His agenda is always for his children. And you know what? God will give you time if you will purpose in your life to give him time. Amen. You know, and as we read, as we read in that scripture in Psalm 37, you know, it says, delight yourself also in the Lord. So it's not saying, you know what, it's not okay to have the other delights in your life. You know, it's okay, and I want to set some of you free this morning from a guilty thinking pattern of, you know what, it's actually okay to delight in other things in your world. It's okay to delight in living in a beautiful home. It's okay to delight in driving a great, beautiful car. It's okay to delight in the, yeah, Loz is like, thanks for that, Justin. It's okay to delight in the fruits of your labor. That is the blessing and the favor of God's hand in your life. But what the psalmist is saying here is that, guys, I want you to delight yourself also in the Lord, because the truth is only when we do that, only when we delight in him will we begin to lay hold of those desires, God-given desires that sit beneath those earthly, fleshly desires that will over the long term satisfy you, over the long term fulfill you, over the long term give you purpose and hope. Only when you delight in him does that happen. And I was kind of thinking, you know, you watch on TV and, you know, I don't know if you, how many of you heard, you know, Robin Williams just passed away. And, you know, what? I think it's so sad that, Younger generations and old generations, just there's a cycle of them destroying their lives, destroying families because they only ever chase after those superficial desires. That they constantly reject a God that maybe can bring them peace and fulfillment, and they don't realize the purpose and potential that God's placed inside of them. And I think it's a tragedy. Job 22:23. I want to come to the scripture. It says, If you return to the Almighty, you will be built up. 
If you remove injustice far from your tents, if you lay the gold in the dust and gold of offer among the stones of the torrent bed, then the Almighty will be your gold and your precious silver. For then you will delight yourself in the Almighty and lift up your face to God. If you return to the Almighty, you will be built up. And what I want to say is this, when God purposes to come over your life, when he places your hand upon your family and upon your life and your marriage, there is no principality or power that can move his presence from your life. He is immovable. When the Almighty draws near on your life, you can guarantee that he's not going anywhere. But the truth is that you and I will face temptations in our world that will look to draw us out and away from the covering of God. And who knows, the further we tend to get away from that covering, the more shaky things start to become. You know, the Bible says that each one of us is drawn away and tempted by our own desires. And I guess you've got to understand that, you know, we have desires that are born of the flesh and we've got desires that are born of the spirit. You know, and desires that are born of the flesh by their very nature are desires that want to isolate you away from the presence of God. They want to take you out where you're in isolation and the enemy can attack you. They're desires that only serve to seek self. And if we chase after them long enough and focus on them long enough, what happens is they begin to corrode and break down life. But desires of the Spirit that God places in you, when they are ignited and you choose to chase after them, they're desires that begin to build you up. They're desires that begin to fulfill you and equip you and empower you for the life he's called you to. They're desires that bring you back into relationship with God. And they're desires that begin to bring godly connection and godly relationship, not only with him, but with others in your world. Yep. And so as we make a decision on our life, you know what, God, I'm going to, regardless of what it takes, regardless of how hot and dusty and dry my life is right now and all I can see is dirt, God, I'm going to continue to press in. I'm going to continue to make time to seek your presence and seek your face because when we do that, God begins to speak into your heart and he begins to draw out the desires that he's placed in there that you'd begin to walk the purpose that he's created you for. And almost like a master locksmith, he takes a key and he unlocks something that only he can unlock in your world. And all of a sudden you find that that spirit of God begins to flow through you and start to influence and touch people in your world. Amen. And so here God speaks to Job and he says, Job, 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 I want you to come back to me. I want you to come away from the self-indulgent pitter party that you're having because of your sudden misfortune. I understand that. But Job, what I want you to remember more importantly is the love that you had for me in your heart. If you will come back and proclaim to me like you did before this all happened to you, Job, I want to restore you. I want to rebuild your life again. But I want you to come back to a place in just delighting in me. You know, and so it says, you know, if we go back and just think for a minute, delighting in your kids. You know, I want to say delighting in your kids is not just about spending time with them. Because who knows, you can go and sit in a room for an hour, two hours with your kids. But if you're on the phone or you've got your emails on your iPad, that time is not really valuable. You're not building anything. You're not discovering anything. You're not delighting in anything because you're busy and you're distracted. So I want to say to you this morning, delighting in your kids is not about just spending time with them. It's about spending time with them doing what they want to do. Yeah, being invited into their world of imagination, laying down of self so that you can give yourself to them. Amen. That scripture says, if you lay gold in the dust, the gold of offer among the stones of the torrent bed, then the almighty will be your gold and your precious silver. And I want to say this, there is a spiritual transaction that continually needs to be happening in our lives if we really want to walk into a place of delighting in God. Because I want to say that delight doesn't come until you and I are prepared to lay down 
gold and silver in our world, to lay down our treasures. You and I need to understand we have to take a stock take of our life and say everything that we hold valuable, everything that we count dear, and we walk around with it close to our chest, we need to come to a decision by faith, standing before God to say, God, you know what? I put all of that on the table before you. And I'm asking you to come and take the place of that gold and that silver and be my God and be at the center of everything I am. Because until we make that decision by faith, we can pray and hope and dream and cry out as much as we want, but we're never going to take that relationship to the next level. Yeah? And not only will I say your heart is found where your treasure is, but I want to say so is your focus. You know, when your heart is for Christ, you find that your focus is for Christ, that your eyes are focused on Him, that regardless of your situations or your circumstances, you're continually looking above them, focused on Him. You're able to walk and overcome because God is looking at you and you're looking at God and He's given something inside of you that's active and you can now press through. If your focus is on, um, or your treasure, should I say, is on work, how many know sometimes you can rise up early, be the last to leave the office, take on more and more of a workload, usually at the expense of something else. If your treasure is found in finances, we're continually looking at the dollar. How can we make money? How can we scrimp on money? Um, Every opportunity is a money-making opportunity. Again, what is that at the expense of? All right? Um, But, you know, sometimes what we value, sometimes what, what represents our gold and our silver, it's not necessarily a bad thing. Sometimes what we've gained of value in our life has come through seasons of prayer and fasting, walking through dark moments, overcoming. You know, God has blessed us. He's given us breakthrough, and we're claiming that. But you know what I want to say? When all is said and done and God walks into your life, He will look at everything and say, would you still put me first? Would you still put me at the center of everything regardless? And not just lay it down where over the seasons of your life you're tempted to pick that treasure back up. But he says, will you prepare to put it in the torrent bed where the currents of life can carry that off out of sight, out of your control, out of your reach. It may never come back to you, but if you will turn to me and replace it, that gold and that silver with me, then I tell you what, you're going to start delighting in me again. You know, and I want to, the scripture goes on and it says that when you delight in him, you will make your prayer to him and he will hear you. You will pay your vows. You will decide on a matter and it will be established for you and light will shine on your way. When you begin again in your world to really delight in him, as you're faithful in that process of laying down your gold and your silver, surrendering your treasure before him, God says that I will establish you. As you walk, I will establish your path. I will establish you as a husband, as a businessman, as a father. I'll establish you as a youth leader. I'll establish you as a minister of God. And I will put a light before you. And where once you didn't have purpose and direction, I will give you hope. And I will give you direction. And I'll give you purpose. And there will be a wisdom that comes onto your life. And all of a sudden, where you've been so dry, you will find that there comes breakthrough and answers to prayer. Amen. And so I want to put this just together really quickly for you guys in the concept of, of a story we find in Mark 10:17, And it talks about this rich young ruler. And it says this, and it says, As he, Jesus, was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him. And I want to just put the brakes on right there and just talk about this man for two seconds. Because I believe he's not a man that so many people think he is when they read the story. He's not a man that's running to God with this deep desire for him in his heart or wanting that divine connection. He's not running to God asking and hoping and praying to connect with him. He's not that blind man that we read about in the story who when he heard Jesus walk past in the crowd screamed out at the top of his lungs, Son of David, have mercy on me. 
that Jesus would stop and encounter him and he would receive a miracle. This isn't that woman with the issue of blood for 12 years who at the risk of her own life got down on her hands and knees and crawled through the crowd just to be able to lay hold of the hem of his garment for a miracle. What I want to suggest to you this morning is that this is a man who somewhere in his youth fell in love with the idea of divine salvation. Somewhere in his youth, he fell in love with the idea of eternal glory and eternal reward. And so now he, he notices Jesus setting off on his journey, and the Bible says that he ran up to him and he knelt before him. And my question to you this morning is this, where's the crowd? Where's the thronging masses? Because every time I read the Bible and Jesus is traveling, he's continually thronged and hoarded by multitudes and multitudes of people that are, are supernaturally drawn to him. In fact, at one point, the Bible says it's so bad, his disciples have to put him in a boat and send him out onto the water so that he can minister to the masses and actually have some water between him because there's so many people. Yet here, the Bible says as Jesus is setting off or starting out or beginning his journey, this young man runs up and kneels before him. And I guess what I want to say is, is if any time, this is probably a time where Jesus is not that hindered because you've got to understand as he's ministering from village to village, not everyone follows after him. People have livelihoods, people are touched, but they have families and they commit into that. So they're not all going to follow. So this young ruler understands that and seeing Jesus come out of that place probably with his disciples, but not too many more people on the journey to the next place where he's about to minister, he runs out and he kneels at the feet of Jesus. You know, when you and I truly delight in God, when you and I truly desire Him, you know, we, will, we are prepared not to just fight for this cause, but we're prepared to fight for Him. We're prepared to look at that thronging mass and say, you know what, I'm going to fight through that. I'm going to push through that to lay hold of Jesus. When you truly delight yourself in God, you will find that you stop caring who's screaming in your world and you begin to scream louder the name of Jesus just so He wouldn't pass you by. When you truly delight in God, you will find yourself putting down your pride. And like that woman, you will crawl on your hands and knees if you have to, just to get through the obstacles and get through the distraction and get through the hindrances if it just means laying hold of the hem of Jesus' garment. But you know what? When you settle for just knowing about him, when you come complacent in once having had a touch from him, you know what? You'll wait for Jesus to come to you. You'll avoid the, the push through. You'll avoid those seasons of having to maybe be a little bit uncomfortable and you'll wait for a time that suits you. You'll wait for a time where it lines up with your plans and how you're feeling and your condition and the way you want it to be. You see, what you've got to understand is that this young man from a young age had purposed in his heart that he was going to lay hold, do everything he could do to lay hold of eternal reward. From a young age and on into adulthood, you know, he had decided, you know what? I'm going to cross every T. I'm going to dot every I. I'm going to be faultless in keeping the law that I would gain eternal reward in my life. And now it's almost like an opportunity is presented before him. If I could just get before the Son of God and display these achievements and almost like a proud peacock display my feathers and say, God, look what I've done. I bet you never before has Jesus seen a man from his youth who has been so exemplary in keeping the law. 
He's going to be so blown away when I tell him the story. And you can almost imagine him kind of running over to Jesus with this big smile on his face. Like, you know, when your kid runs a race and they win a medal and then after the ceremony they run over to you because they're so proud. And all you kind of see is his face that's full of teeth, you know. And, and he runs over to Jesus and almost to set Jesus up for the response he's wanting from Jesus, he says to him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And I love this because you know what? There's no flies on Jesus. There are no flies on Jesus. If you think you're going to pull a swifty on God, you are living on a whole other level of crazy. Can I tell you that right now? Because the minute he sees this turkey running over to him, Jesus has already figured out this man down to his heart. He already knows what intention this man is coming to him with. And he kind of takes out his little pin and he starts to deflate this man's balloon the minute he kneels before him. And he says, why do you call me good? No one except God alone. You know the commandments, and straight away, Jesus begins to set up the setup. He's like, straight away, you know what will impress me? You know the commandments, but do you know the commander? And so he says, you know the commandments. Do not steal. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and and mother. And now as if this young man said it was going to plan, this man looks at him and says, teacher, all these things I have done. All these things I have done from my youth. Bam. Booyah. Bet you didn't see that one coming, Jesus. I've done it all. If you're looking for faithful, I'm your man. If you want squeaky clean, it's me. Here I am kneeling before you, Jesus, from my youth. When everyone else was throwing their lives away on you know, cheap drugs and rock and roll, I was faithful. I was committed. I remained. Man, I'm telling you now, when everyone else was getting shaky, I stand firm. I've never faltered, never moved. From my youth, I have done everything you've... Look at my life, God. I've, you know, I've, I've, I'm the first to get here in the morning. I'm the last to leave. I never miss a meeting. I'm at the prayer meeting, the service meeting, the worship meeting, the healing meeting. Everything you wanted me to do, Jesus, I've done it. What must I do to inherit eternal life? And I want you to watch this. This is Jesus looking at him. Wasn't impressed, wasn't amazed, wasn't taken aback. Wasn't like, oh man, this kid's all over it. It says that he loved him. As if understanding his human frame, seeing how right this young man thought he was, yet knowing how lost he was. And he says to him, son, you know what? You lack one thing. One thing. You have done everything that I have asked of you. You know, I've called you. I've established you. I've saved you. I have anointed you. Man, when you write worship songs, I'm telling you that my presence falls in this house. When you speak the word of God on my pulpit, everybody's listening. I have anointed you for hospitality. When you start baking and welcoming, man, everyone is welcome. On a Wednesday night, your life group's the place to be. I've seen you serve. I've seen you give of yourself. You have done everything that I have asked of you, but you have missed one thing I would have loved you to do. And that is love me, delight in me, just spend a little bit time, a little bit more time hanging around with me, because if you would have done just that, I would have given you the desires of your heart. I would have given you the desires of your heart. And so he says to this young man, go, sell all that you have, take the treasure that I can see in your arms and lay it down, give it to the poor, you will have treasures in heaven And I want you to come and follow me. Now, I want you to understand this. When Jesus says to this young man, come follow me, 
He's not saying, come follow me as the crowds follow me. He's saying, come follow me as my disciples follow me. I want you to understand the significance of what he's calling this man to. He's saying, give it all away and come into my inner circle. Come and have the audience and undisrupted time and attention of God himself. I'm inviting you to a front row seat of the miracle working power of God. Come and follow me. I will entrust to you the story of my life and you will be a part of the greatest commission ever given. You will be a part of changing history when you take this out into the nations, baptizing people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Come and follow me. And you know what? He missed it. He actually missed it. His heart was so full of his own treasure. His heart was so full that when Jesus said to him, I want you to lay it down in the torrent bed where it's probably going to get swept away and you may not see that again, but turn to me and establish me as your king and your Lord and your savior and know your commander. I will give you the desires of your heart. And the scripture goes on and it says, disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. You see, you've got to understand when he ran to Jesus, he thought he was on his knees with his arms open going, God, look at my life. I've inherited eternal life. God saw him holding on to his treasure before him so full. And he said, son, I've called you to be a disciple, but you've got to lay down that gold and that treasure. Delight yourself in me and I will give you the desires of your heart. And I want to ask you this morning, what treasures... What gold and silver are we carrying in our arms? You know, God has a plan and a purpose. God has put a desire like a seed in your heart. And if you will trust him by faith to lay it down, he will speak to that desire and he will bring it forth in your life. Lozzie, thank you. Can we just stand up, guys? I just want to... um... You know, God... God desires more than just obedience. God desires more than just your service. Above everything else, Michelle said it this morning, God desires your heart. He desires your heart. You know, Abraham laid down his precious, precious son Isaac, his treasure, and God spoke to him and established him, gave him the desires of his heart, and he became a father of many nations. Hannah laid down and gave up to God her firstborn, someone she had wept and cried and begged and pleaded God for. And God rebuked the barrenness of her womb and she brought forth more children. Gideon surrendered and laid down his men of battle. And God, who saw him as a mighty man of valor, spoke to that seed and brought it out to being and established him because he made a decision to delight himself in God. And I want to say to you this morning, church, even God himself is not above taking part in that spiritual transaction when he laid down his greatest pressure, his greatest prize, his son Jesus, that he would be able to pick up again his children who were once dead to sin, but now being made alive in Christ. Amen. And I just want to spend a bit of time in worship this morning, but I want to encourage you guys. Some of you know You've been carrying things in your arms that you, you should have let go years ago. They're valuable, Justin. They're treasures in my world. I know. I know. But I want you to take a step of faith this morning. I want you to take a step of faith this morning. If you will say, God, I'm prepared to lay it down at your feet.
and I'm scared I'm not going to see it again. I'm scared that it's going to get carried away and I may not ever be able to lay hold of it. You know what? That's okay because God sees the desire of your heart. He knows them. He put it there in the first place. And he says, if you will just trust me, if you will lay it down and make me your gold and make me your silver, then I will establish you. For some of you, that flame has gotten a little cold. The coals have gotten a little bit cold. You've settled for knowing him. You know about him. But you've forgotten what it's like to delight in him. You know what? I just want to spend a bit of time in worship. I'd love to stand with you and just pray with you. And I just want to encourage you to come out the front. I'd love to just encourage you, speak a word over you, and just and ask guys, lay down that treasure. Thanks for listening to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. Visit us online at c3noosa.org.